Welcome to the Triple D Podcast, Donuts, Disability, and Discourse, where host Michael Liner talks to the best in the business about community, impact, business, and donuts. Here's your host, Michael Liner. Welcome to another episode of the Triple D Podcast. I am so excited uh, by the guest that we have today. Before I introduce her, I am going to... Uh, let everybody know this month at the end of the month is CTE Awareness Day, uh, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, which is a condition that I do see uh, from time to time in disability uh, clients and cases. And we have a guest who uh, has her own podcast. She uh, is a, a post-concussion syndrome, uh, lives with it, uh, and is somebody who is an advocate for the community. And I'm just so grateful that she's here to talk, Bella Page. Bella, do you want to introduce yourself and just tell a little bit of your story? Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much for having me on. My story is really long, actually, but I can definitely shorten it up. Uh, It's been about 11 years now. It started when I was a teenager in high school and I was a show jumper. I went on to professional show jumping and riding horses was kind of my life, traveling around the world. And then I had a few too many concussions. And sometimes it only takes one, but for me, it was quite a few. And then symptoms kind of took over my life. So I kind of had to change routes. And now I help survivors and others just kind of get through it all with their daily lives. Where where are you from originally, Bella? Uh, Northern Ontario, Canada. Okay. Um, and show jumping, that's amazing. So where you, you were saying that it took you all across the world. Where yeah. You, so over to Europe in the States, I lived for a while and then across Canada as well. Was this, uh, I mean, professional show jumping Were you being paid for this at some point? Uh, so show jumping is kind of weird. Uh, there's, you can win money in classes, but it's more like you do what you love, uh, It's a very different kind of sport. It's definitely not like NHL or the NFL. It's very, uh, I think it's because it's very individual based, but you know, everything you have sponsors and all these things you travel, but it was um, definitely a very different life than what I have now. Let me ask you this. Is it common for show jumpers to have concussions? Oh uh, yeah. Actually a lot more common than we realize. I can't count if you ask. Like if you go to a horse show, any level of horse show from like ground roots and backyard show jumping and all the way to the pros, uh, there is everybody. If you ask, almost every single rider has had a concussion. The majority of them have just from falls, uh, falling off horses. It's pretty far. <laughs> so it's it's fairly common, actually. Now, it's possible and in fact common for people to have a concussion and then they go back to their normal life. They're, they're, they're symptom free. Is that right? Yeah, for sure. Lots of people after about a few weeks, they say two weeks, I'd say two weeks. A lot of times people feel better. I wouldn't say they are better. A lot of the time it's more like the big symptoms have gone away and maybe they're just not noticing the smaller less like cognitive symptoms, like maybe they're processing information a little slower. Maybe they're not sleeping as well as they think they are. Maybe they're a little more tired, things like that. But usually after about three months, most people kind of bounce back. 
But then there's also a lot of people we're learning it's more and more. It started out as like 5% of people that get a concussion or less are struggling. And then now it's gone up to 20% or higher. So I think it's a lot higher than we realize. We're just not, uh, you know, a lot of people get concussions, not in sports, not in places that they're studied. So it's really hard to track how many people are really suffering down the line. And also athletes kind of lie about how they're doing when it comes to pain and symptoms because they don't want to be put out. And let me ask you this. So you you talked about how, you know, people can get concussions and suffer symptoms when they're doing, you know, typical activities. Can you give us some examples of things that you've heard of or that are more common? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Slips and falls is actually one of the most common ones I've dealt with, as well as car accidents, uh, things like domestic violence and the military, of course, are very prominent. And then sports, of course, are in the realm of it. But a lot of the time sports are I find it's when people are younger, when they're like teenagers in their 20s. But I find a lot of people when they're like 30s, 40s, 50s, they're getting concussions too. It's just, you know, maybe they are playing sports, but sometimes it's a slip and a fall, chasing their kids, bumping, hitting a cupboard, standing up too quickly. Sometimes concussions can happen in really weird moments. And it's just kind of how it works, especially here. Like it's winter in Canada for a very long time. So ice is pretty common. Falling downstairs actually is pretty common, things like that. And then there's always like the random incidences, like walking into a glass door, somebody threw something and they missed, you know, there's always occurrences like that, but it's definitely kind of an every walk of life and motor vehicle accidents, like you see them a lot where people were in a car accident, didn't realize they got a concussion because maybe they didn't hit their head or didn't hit their head as hard as they thought. And then they're suffering. Maybe six months out, they start to really notice that things aren't normal. No, you mentioned that after you suffered a number of concussions, the symptoms from them started to take over your life. Yeah. <laughs> they, Tell us about that. What what were you experiencing? What are you experiencing? Has there been any treatment that's helped you? Yeah, for sure. So uh, at the very beginning, it was actually very extreme. Uh, there was this old notion of, That still gets recommended to this day, but research has shown that it's really not a good idea to go lay in a dark room and stay there. And so I did that. Uh, It was supposed to help your brain rest, your brain heal. Well, we've learned that if anything, it actually isn't helping your brain because then getting out of that dark room is really, really difficult because now everything is 10 times brighter and 10 times louder and all that. So I went through that. Uh, I went through high school and university being told to drop out every year by all of my doctors and my teams to, you know what, maybe we should try again later. You know, you're really sick. I had a really weird system when I was in high school about going, I went to one class a day and then I would go home and then I would usually not make it for the whole week. Uh, I got exempted from exams one time completely in like a whole semester So it was definitely an interesting experience. I was in bed a lot. And some of it was, you know, lay in a dark room, but some of it was because I couldn't get up. I had headaches, uh, really extreme, really bad light sensitivity, things like that. And so I pushed through. Uh, I went to school. I don't know what the best choice would have been. Sometimes I think maybe if I actually rested, maybe if I just did therapy, uh, I would have maybe improved a little faster. But that's not who I am, and I can't get mad at myself for my decisions as a teenager. (laughs) Definitely not. But, you know, for therapy and things like that, there's so many things out now 
that are very different than they were maybe five, even 10 years ago. It's changed a lot. Uh, things from eye therapy, physical therapy, from massage therapy, there's a very wide realm uh, from nutrition to medication. It's very large. And so it really takes the right team. You really need more than one person to help you kind of get through it. And, and that brings up something that I was going to um, ask you about also. I mean, with so many different symptoms, you can't just treat post-concussion syndrome. You can't just treat uh, CTE. There's 12 different ways that it could affect someone. And really, it's it's treating each individual symptom and trying to make them better. Is that right? Yeah, I actually tell people to focus uh, on symptom treatment because sometimes they're like, well, what do I what do I do? What do I try? And sometimes I'm like, well, what are your symptoms telling you that you need? Do you have headaches every day? Because I've met concussion survivors who never get a headache. That's not that's not one of their problems. And then I also like to ask people what's important to your life. Maybe you're a parent and you have young children and they're really loud all the time. And you're fatigued. I have two kids that I can do. Yeah. My, my sisters have uh, both have a whole bunch. So I know all about it. And if they're really loud all the time, maybe noise sensitivity and energy levels are really, really important to you. You need to be able to be up with your kids when they're awake and you need to be able to deal with the noise. So maybe those are things you want to address. Maybe you work in an office and you do a lot of reading and you deal with screens a lot. Maybe that's what you should focus on. So it's not that you shouldn't have focused on everything in the end, but sometimes it's important. We can't do everything at once. Sometimes you can get really overwhelmed by trying to treat every single symptom at the same time. So trying to pick what's important to you at the beginning can really help. And I imagine a neurologist is uh, one, like probably the most common part of a team to treat. What what other specialists um, are typical for people to be treating with? Yeah, for sure. So neurologists usually focus a lot on medication type therapy, uh, things like that, as well as they will send you off to who you should be seeing, like physical therapists and things like that. So we have physical therapists. Actually, chiropractors have really stepped into the concussion world. Uh, they're called functional neurologists, where right. they really focus on uh, a whole body approach, a lot of them, which is really nice because concussions really can affect you kind of head to toe. So those are really important. Uh, you have ophthalmologists, but then you also have developmental ophthalmologists. So there's a really large team of individuals. I've seen people who love their acupuncturists. I've seen people who love craniosacral work. I wish I could just list them out, but it's it's really long, honestly, depending on what you need. But it's really important. I've seen people who love osteopaths and need to see a TMJ specialist because they have jaw issues, depending on how they were concussed. So it's a long list for sure. We, we've talked a lot about the physical symptoms, but is it common for people who have a post-concussion syndrome to develop mental health issues as well? Yeah. So I'd say it's definitely uh, 50-50. Uh, if anything, the mental health part can be the piece that people forget about when they're going through it. Because they're like, oh, I have headaches every day. Uh, I was pretty similar. I got told I should go to therapy and then I go to therapy and I wouldn't like what they said. And then I'd leave and never go back. And something I learned that is you need to go to therapy more than once to actually get to know them because they're not going to help you in the first five sessions or four sessions. Maybe they might, 
but you have to get to know them and they have to get to know you. And that takes more than an hour sitting in a room. And the other thing is sometimes you have to try them out uh, and see what personality type works really good for you. Sometimes there's so many different types of therapy uh, from EMDR, which is the lights, to, you know, a lot of mindfulness therapy. There's so many different types out there now. So it's really important to address those. But yeah, mental health is huge. Uh, That's something actually I focus on a lot with people is kind of getting through relationships with their partners because now they're a different person dealing with the grief of themselves. A lot of time they, you know, miss who they used to be when they're kind of a really different person now, things like that. I had a really hard time with it. I was depressed for a really long time. Uh, Suicide rates and things like that actually increase exponentially when you've had a concussion or a brain injury. So it's really important that if somebody near in your life is struggling after a concussion to really think about getting them some help in those sides of things as well. And, you know, post-concussion syndrome would fit into that box of, um, you know, it's more commonly talked about now, but it's an invisible disability. You know, somebody could be sitting next to you in a restaurant or anywhere and have no idea that um, they're, is anything different about you? Is stigma something that's a big uh, topic in the post-concussion community? Uh, I think it really depends. I'd say uh, men often have a harder time with the stigma aspect of it, especially with the get tough attitude on like, you need to, you know, buck up basically. Uh, It's finally something that you hear a lot that, you know, Oh, football players, hockey players, a lot of them get told, oh, you're fine. It was just a hit. Oh, it was a week ago. Aren't you okay by now? Or what do you mean you're struggling a year out? Of course, women and everybody deals with this as well, but it is very common. I find that people uh, hide it as well because they don't want to be seen as ill. You know, there's two sides of the invisible illness. One side is it's kind of great that nobody can see how much you're suffering, The other side is it's really bad that nobody can see how much you're suffering because maybe you really are having a hard time. You know, you see a friend and the other thing is it's like a roller coaster. So you see this friend on a Friday and you go out for lunch and you have a good time and then you're supposed to do something with them Saturday, but you can't because you're in bed Uh, or you're having a really hard time getting up or, you know, leaving the house is a lot that day because everything's overloaded, but they don't get it. They see you and they're like, you were fine yesterday, but you weren't fine. Maybe you were just sitting through lunch and struggling in pain or struggling with all this overstimulation and they just don't see it. So there is a lot of challenges. I can't count. So once I started my podcast and all this work that I've been doing for about three years now, I had a bunch of people from high school actually reach out, which was when I started this seven years before I started it, saying, or five years. I'm not that old. Um, So uh, they were all like, wow, I didn't even know you went through that. I'm like, how did you not know? I didn't go to high school. How old are you? Like two whole years. I'm 26. Okay. So two whole years. uh, I was like in and out of high school. I was exempted from classes, exempted from all these things. I'm like, oh, I didn't even know you were struggling. You seemed so great when you were at school. And that's just because I could put on a face. You know, you could smile through it kind of push through the pain. And a lot of the time, the people that have been suffering the longest are the best at hiding it. You mentioned your advocacy. 
Mm-hmm. Tell us about it. You've got a podcast. Why don't you plug your podcast, but then tell us what else you do to work with the uh, post-concussion community. Yeah, for sure. So I have the post-concussion podcast. It's been out for about three years now. Uh, just yesterday from when we were recording this, I released episode 126. Right so there. there's definitely a decent amount of information there. And we interview things like from survivors to of course, medical professionals as well, and family members and partners of survivors to try to get kind of the whole picture for people to really understand from others. But I also do other things. We have Concussion Connect, which is an online community that's free. And so survivors can go on there. It's really nice because it's separate from like Facebook and Instagram and all the hustle and bustle of all regular social media. It's kind of separate. You can kind of just be yourself with your own health issues, share them, talk to others. There's courses on there. There's a whole lot of support resources, downloads, videos, all that type of thing. And then I also do things like public speaking. I wrote a cookbook. And and there's a lot of other things that are in the works as well that we're working on. But those are definitely the few main things. And then I work one-on-one with survivors as well. Tell me about the cookbook. And what I want to know specifically is it's not... And it's not as obvious how that links to the rest of the work you do, but I imagine that there is a strong link. Yeah, for sure. Tell me about it. So the cookbook was actually requested. uh, I run support groups twice a week and the support group members actually were the ones that suggested a cookbook because they were all saying how much they were struggling to eat Uh, from energy to cook. Uh, what to cook, uh, what they needed to eat, how to eat healthy. Because a lot of time when you're dealing with things like neuro fatigue and overstimulation and like sound sensitivity, you're having a really hard time maybe being in a kitchen. Uh, maybe standing up for a really long time is really hard because you get dizzy. So what the cookbook is, is kind of an easy way for people to cook with symptoms. So it's kind of for anybody who has symptoms, but of course I directed it towards concussion and brain injury survivors. So maybe you have a lot of fatigue. So there's oven meals and they're actually categorized within the book for your symptoms. So maybe you have a really bad day where you're really tired. So there's meals where you put them in the oven, you know, in the like instructions. It also tells you in the directions when to set a timer, when to start the oven, to check on your food, to maybe try sitting down while you're cutting your vegetables if you're getting dizzy. So just little things that people wouldn't think of when they're cooking. You know, this meal doesn't use anything that would be really loud. This meal has lots of things to help you uh, if you have memory issues. Very few ingredients, very quick instructions to kind of help people just get more confident. You know, it's not a, this is what you're eating. This is the only thing you should eat. It's really just to get people to build confidence back in the kitchen again. Where where can we buy the cookbook? Yeah, uh, Amazon. Everywhere on Amazon. Okay. I'll tell yeah. you what we're going to do. We're going to buy several copies of the uh, cookbook and give it away to our clients who might be uh, suffering wonderful. Of those symptoms. Yeah. So we'll, I'll make sure that we do that after we're done recording here. We'll take care of that today. I'm excited. Uh, That's great. I want to leave you with uh, a question. I mean, mm-hmm. what are the, you know, when, when I have, I, I, as we talked about, you know, I work with a lot of people who, because of how advanced their symptoms are, they're unable to work full-time mm-hmm. anymore. What's the message that you think as an advocate I should be giving to them that's specific to post-concussion patients? 
Yeah. So uh, the not the financial aspect of it is a really complicated situation. I deal with a lot of survivors in my support group. We actually just released something the other day about like, what are you doing for work? Are you working? Are you taking time off? Tons of people. That's actually why our community is free now. Because so many people uh, aren't working. And I think a lot of people view that, oh, they're not working. So like they're just being lazy, but they're not understanding. Like these are not just, it's not like all these people were working minimum wage jobs. They had high professional careers uh, that they've been maybe working for 20 years or more. And so it's really complicated. But for me, I like to tell people, number one, uh, make sure you take it one day at a time. Because it really is a one day at a time approach. If you have a bad day yesterday, it doesn't mean tomorrow is going to be bad and you can't let it, you know, kind of change your mindset for the next day. And the other aspect of it is you have to learn to live with it a little bit and not in a bad way. I think sometimes we're so focused on getting better, getting better, getting better. But if you talk to survivors who are five years out, eight years out, who are farther out, who are, you know, they're realizing that they're not bouncing back. Uh, And maybe they do need a different therapy. Maybe they haven't found it yet. Maybe the research hasn't come out for the therapy that they need, Uh, but they have to learn how to live with their symptoms. So doing things like wearing earplugs, wearing a baseball cap, uh, you know, tracking your symptoms for what helps. There's so many things. Uh, I would tell them to come talk to me, (laughs) but basically because I help people uh, learn how to live with it because sometimes that's the best thing you can do is learn how to live happily with the symptoms that you have. I really appreciate that. That's an awesome message. It's certainly something that, you know, I, I, one thing that I find myself telling clients all the time is that, um, you know, everybody comes to me when they're at their the bottom, you know, they're realizing that they're <laughs> but the clients of mine who, even if I'm able to help them get disability benefits because they can't work, um, the clients of mine that end up um, being most successful with the holistic approach to their life moving forward are the ones who understand that to some degree, there's mind over matter, mm-hmm. right? Um, and your attitude and the way that you approach it can make a big difference because not every day is going to be a bad day, like you said. Um, and you can't dwell on the bad days because then what you do is you cheapen you cheapen the good days. Um, mm-hmm. And um, it's just such a great message. And I hope you keep telling it. I'll keep telling it. Um, and again, I'm just so appreciative of you giving your time to, uh, to, to me and our clients and all the listeners who can benefit from you. And I hope that they check out your podcast, the post-concussion podcast. I hope they check out uh, your cookbook. Like I said, I'll be giving some out and uh, I look forward to, uh, to helping this community together with you for years to come. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. It was great to talk today. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Triple D Podcast. Donuts, disability, and discourse. Rate, subscribe, and tune in next week for more discourse and donuts.